powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, it is Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims. And um, Dave, we got to start by saying, first of all, we're very sorry about the Super Bowl outcome. We know you're a big Eagles fan. Fly, Eagles, fly. But the good news is Jalen Hurts looks amazing. Oh, hey, you know, I appreciate that. You know, I'm a lifelong Eagles fan. Uh, you know, I'm not crushed by the defeat. I was disappointed. Mm. I thought the D coordinator got woefully outcoached. But Jalen Jalen Hurts is the, the real deal, and I, and I hope the uh, Eagles are going to lock him up for a long time. Yeah, no kidding, Dave. Man, different type of off season for the Mariners. You're going into this spring with probably the highest expectations you've had for a ball club here in Seattle for a long time. And what's that like on your side of the deal? Well, it's great. I mean, you go in the clubhouse. I mean, uh, the veteran guys who who were here and experienced the joy of you know making the playoffs and doing well and uh, beating Toronto and taking uh, Houston to the brink. They're jacked. Hey, we can do it. We proved it. And, you know, had we beaten them, we know we could have beaten the Yankees. Then the new guys are excited because they saw the excitement in Seattle. They saw how well the guys played, and they're happy to try to be a part of it. So, no, the whole thing's very exciting, and, yep, the expectations are riding high. Hey, Dave, some new set of rules being rolled out this year in MLB for ones, uh, in particular, everyone's talking about the pitch clock, but you were just at a press conference with a couple other baseball experts and analysts and learned more about these rules. Did you have any um, questions answered that you were wondering? I mean, what do you take away from it? Well, it, you know, I like the direction it went. It was with Raul Labanias, and we had an exclusive role as you know, one of the, the big-time deputies at MLB on mm-hmm. 6th Avenue in Manhattan. And uh, he, he spoke to the Mariner broadcasters and writers, and it was very good. And as soon as I finished with you guys, I'm going to jump on the uh, just a big league announcers uh, thing. But um, all in all, he went through, you know, the, no shifting. Can't have your feet on the uh, grass. but feet have to be on, uh, on, the, on the dirt. Uh, I think the pitch clock is going to be great. Um, you know, the increase, I like the safety precautions they have in, in creating bigger uh, bases. I think that was good. Um, the challenge system, that's going to be interesting. I, I just think, you know, it's all to help the game. It, and I wind up taking copious notes. So I've got some studying to do when I get back, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I get back to the apartment. I know I'm catching you right after. I should have prefaced it with that with like, Hey, I'm catching you like a minute after you're leaving the meeting. <laughs> Maybe not enough time, but I still appreciate the insight, Dave. Dave, do you, very welcome. You're very welcome, Dave. Um, do you think there was a lot of pushback by the um, historians of the game, the guys who have been around this game for a while, when it comes to the changes in the rules? Because out of all the sports, baseballs remain the same the longest, and to have all these rule changes happen at once, I would I would think for some people um, it might be a bit too much, and they want to slow down. What's the feel you get when it comes to those changes? They'll get over it. Uh, <laughs> what time marches on? Uh, you got to get up to speed. This is all about. This is also an entertainment business. You also, uh, it's it's about you know making a nice living, making a profit, and anything to enhance the product to make that product uh, you know uh, more maybe more desirable or more pleasing to the eye. Why not? What do you love about anything about the way baseball has changed uh, in the last several years? I mean, I, I feel like a lot of what I hear are just complaints from people. But is there anything it could be a trend um a story a rule that you're like i i actually think this made the game better 
Um, ooh, right, nothing really comes to mind. Yeah. And, you know, they just that the athletes are so much better and they're well-trained and physically they're, you know, they're not as big in stature as basketball, football players, obviously, mm-hmm. but for, for no, reasonably normal sized dudes, uh, with uh, a few exceptions, guys are in great shape. Their dedication is laudable. And, uh, you know, it's a game. I, you know, I fell in love with the game when I was like, I don't know, four years old or whatever. And and I've been, you know, just uh, time advances on. You see changes. You got to get used to changes. Uh, what I like to see, guys. I, I was talking to Stephen Vogt about this uh, former catcher with the A's, super guys, one of the good coaches, and glad to have him on board. And he said, Hey, it's not easy to get a fastball at ninety-five, hundred coming in on your hands and hitting it the other way. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a guy like me who's been around. And how come they don't do that, you know, like they did back in the day? Well, back in the day, guys weren't don't consistent. You didn't have a whole staff of guys throwing 95 and 100. Right. So the game has changed, and so now you have to be adaptable. I think guys, uh, they're going to find one. You know, there's always a counter to almost every move. So somebody's going to find it, and everybody's going to copy it, and the, the game will continue to move forward. Every year there's different challenges for a team and for leaders of the team, like like service. Last year, I feel like the challenge was um, just to meet expectations. They were claiming you know, for a while, 2022, this is going to be the year. Now that they've won 90 games back-to-back, you've made the playoffs. And what's the challenge with this team? When you have a, a star in Julio, you're bringing a couple more guys. What do you think one of the challenges that service is facing when it comes to this squad? Well, stay healthy and uh, keep doing what you're doing and, uh, and, and build upon what you did. I mean, I think uh, you know, their, their whole philosophy about Control the zone, throw strikes, be consistent, get your secondary stuff over the plate. That's a you know, it's a winning formula. Uh, the team, let's see, I was just looking at it the other day. I think we finished mid pack in the American League in runs scored with next to last in hitting. Obviously, uh, Teo Hernandez and uh, Colton Wong can help uh, change a lot of that around. And then the continued development of a whole bunch of guys on the team. And you can start with Jared Kelnick and talk you can talk about JP Crawford. Uh, I mean, you go right down the line, and, and that was the beauty of last year. You've seen it in all the sports, and Bump, you can probably appreciate this having played, you know, been an athlete all your life. You get a taste of that glory of a championship or a championship possibility. And yeah, if you fall short, you're not crushed. You're like, you're disappointed, but you're like, hey, man, I want more of that. What do we have to do to get back to that and take it to another step? And that's where, that's where these guys are, and that's why the excitement is running high down there. Hey, one of the biggest questions is in left field. I was so disappointed to see Taylor Trammell would miss some time. I feel like we've been hearing some great things about his offseason, and thank goodness he's going to be able to get back here in, in seven weeks, hopefully. Uh, but uh, what do you make of the left field situation as a whole? What do you like? Do you have questions? Well, well I'm looking forward to – first of all, I was talking to Taylor the other day. I'm looking forward to him getting back. Yeah. Tell me. Glad it happened now, not in the middle of the season. No so, kidding. you know, look at May, June. Hopefully he'll be back. I haven't met Pollock yet. I look forward to it. He's, he's certainly his track record uh, hitting against uh, left-hand pitching has, has been well-documented. I think I saw him hit one over the batter's eye against one of the, the front-line pitchers today. I, I, I looked for Kelnick, and I saw Kelnick briefly today. I said, hey, man, why not just you know, chat with you for a few minutes tomorrow? But I think he, you know, people say don't put pressure on him, but I think he's the key to season. If he has a big-time season, man, this team's going to be something special because, mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to have him batting, you know, six, seven, eight with some pop, and uh, he's coming off a spectacular, I'm told by a whole bunch of people, a spectacular offseason uh, working with some baseball uh, hitting coaches down in Southern California. 
and it got a lot of attention. And, and I just think, he, you know, he's ready for bust that year to go with everybody else. I think, you know, Hernandez hits the ball. He's one, of, one guy that, you know, is probably in the top 20 apart, you know, guys who hit the ball the hardest along with Julio. It should be a great combination uh, out in the outfield for the Mariners, for sure. Last year, this, this pitching staff was um, considered to be one of the best in baseball, obviously, there's been some movement with other teams when it comes to their their pitching staffs. How do you look at this um, the staff this year? You know, I would expect with Logan and, and all these guys gaining another year um, and experience is going to help. But when you, when you see them, do you still view them as one of the best in the league? How do you how do you not? I mean, uh, it's time to Tom Murphy about that. And he said, "Hey, this is the best staff he's ever been uh, around. It doesn't have to worry about uh, these guys." You know, he came from playing with Colorado and playing some minor league ball in Albuquerque and he said, listen, you get behind uh, in those, you know, without, in altitude and it's, you know, a walk and then a two-run homer. These guys, yeah, they all pound the strike zone. Uh, they adhere to the philosophy. The talent is outstanding. And, and the, one of the big key factors I've heard like four or five times already today is that they were healthy last year. Remember a few years ago, the Mariners had a record 45 pitchers used uh, i don't know what the exact number was but i mean all the starters made multiple stocks bullpen did a great job and uh it was solid and if they come back and do the same thing yeah. i mean you're looking at a lot of good stuff here for this ball club hey julio finished at number 16 in mlb's top 100 is it realistic to think he could be in the mvp conversation this year Oh, are you kidding? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I almost I, thought it was a dumb you know, question. I was, I was like, no, I have to not ask. at all. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, come on. I mean, uh, this kid, he's he's got you know, he's got the five tools. He's got you know, charisma up the wazoo. I mean, the guy, he is the package. As a matter of fact, the, the guys from MLB the show, you know, the video game, they're down here shooting some stuff right now. <laughs> Two just oh, cool. gave me a t-shirt, and, and uh, now this, he's he's got a chance to be one of the all-timers at the. And with the year that he had, and if he could stay anywhere close to that pace, forget about it. And I just know from you know my travels during the off season, and, and talking to a lot of baseball people on the East Coast, everybody, you know, first thing they say, "Hey, man, I like you kids in center field." How do you not? I mean, yeah. he's got a chance to be an all timer. He seems like the type of guy that doesn't let pressure get to him. Um, Clearly, yeah. I mean, it, just go back and look what happened when he was getting screwed by the umpires in the first two months. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and also, Dave, I, when we talk about the the pitch clock, Julio's the type of guy that I'm concerned about a little bit, too, because he's got a nice little routine. I brought my kids to the game, and I go, man, watch this young man work, fellas. I mean, watch it. He takes his time. He's patient. Um, you know, how do you think that's going to affect his at-bats, if at all? No, no, no. I wouldn't I wouldn't sweat that at all. I mean, he's young, talented, gifted. He'll adapt. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't, you know, this isn't heavy lifting. This isn't. This isn't anything that you need to, you know, be sitting on somebody's couch and, and, and giving your thoughts about. I mean, come on, this is, uh, hey, this is the rules. Play by the rules. You adapt. Pitchers adapt. I'd be stunned if, if you know, if it, if it gets to, to be a problem. Raul even said last year when he put these things in play in the minor leagues, it's like one. Usually, it was the first month to get acclimated and then rock on from there. So that's that's what uh, I mean. It's going to be some rough spots in these first couple three weeks, but by the time regular season starts, you know you'll be used to it. I tell you what, I know one thing: I can't take my, especially when I'm doing radio, I cannot take my eye off the field because uh, the action has a chance to be moving pretty good. When you get a guy, I think Robbie Ray works pretty quickly. Marco works pretty quickly anyway without a clock. But when you factor all that in, it's like there's not going to be. And when you're at the ballpark, you know, if, if you're going to have a conversation with somebody, you better be looking at the field. You're not going to be able to go eye to eye. 
Hey, I wanted to stick on Julio for just one second because Dave is one of the voices of this team. You also get a chance to uh, talk with everyone and get to know these players so well. In your conversations you've had with Julio, is there any one thing that's ever stuck with you? Just as a genuine human being who is very enthusiastic about what he does. I know it's in Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, I think it was Emerson there to uh, quote something. Nothing great was uh, happened with that enthusiasm or something. That's the gist of it. It might not be the exact quote, but that's the gist of it. And that's he's enthusiastic about life. He he enjoys what he's doing, and you know he's committed to it, and he has fun. And the times he was out last year, and it, it, you didn't even have to be at, be at the ballpark. You could hear on the on the radio watching TV, you could feel that the juice wasn't there. And then when he came back, it was like, wow, there seemed to be a surge of energy in the ballpark, in the clubhouse, and he meets that man. I'm not, and I'm not overblowing this at all. I'm just telling you what's yeah. going on. I mean, he he's that that once in a you know once in a generation kind of kind of guy, and you know with the personality, the talent. I mean, it's an it's an awesome combination. And actually, to 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 this point, even after one year, I'm actually spoiled because I know he's going to be out there. He doesn't get hurt. Heck, he's going to be out there 150 games. So, you know, the Mariners are blessed to have him. All right, last question, and then we got to let you go because you are so busy. But um, just, you know, we know Julio. We all know that we're watching Julio. We all know the questions at left field and can Jared Kelnick get it done. Is there one other storyline that's a little under the radar or one that you personally are interested in as we head through spring training here? Well, I, um, I'm hoping that Cal uh, Riley can continue on the, the path that he set late season last year. You know, sent down, he wasn't producing anything at the plate first part of the year, and he came back had a great second half. And you know, the playoffs speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, I uh, I think I pretty much covered it, and um, other stories. I'm trying to like Ty France. You know, I'd like to see him not get hit by so many pitches and oh. have a great healthy year. And, Put up some, uh, some really big numbers along the lines of what he did in the first half last year. I think that would definitely be something I look forward to. Yeah, no kidding. He is Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims, kind enough to join us for a conversation about this team heading into spring training. Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Hey, good to talk to you guys. See you soon. Be well. You too. All right, again, thank you to Dave Sims for joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Let's get to four down territory. This is Four Down Territory, going inside, inside the, the game. game. What former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down. I know you love this question. Who is your new sleeper wide receiver in the draft this year? My new sleeper. Coming in at 5'10", maybe 5'8", 165 pounds. That's my guy, Nathaniel Tank Dells. The Tank. The Tank. Now, this dude can create separation like nobody. Now, he's, he's like... He's lighting the butt. That's what my uh, my uncle used to lighting say. Lighting the butt. Lighting the butt. He's a buck fifty five, a buck sixty five. But if he can create separation, it's a wrap. I thought he was gonna go later in the draft. We spoke to our guy Cody Carpentier. Mm-hmm. Carpentier. Carpentier. And he says, "Look, I see him at second round." He goes, he was at the senior bowl. He hung them cleats up after two days and said, I did what I need to do. You saw what you need to see. Now you need to draft me. So I'm excited about this young man. 1,300 yards last year, 1,300 yards the year before, 29 touchdowns the last two seasons when it comes to receiving. That's the most in college football. And he was on the documentary Last Chance. He went to Independence uh, College in uh, in Indiana. Um, last Chance you. Just a great show. Second down. <laughs> Cardinals new head coach Jonathan Gannon, former D.C. for the Eagles, is taking a page from the Nick Sirianni handbook. Tell me about it. He's letting his coaches coach. He's got an O.C. He's got a D.C. 
and he learned that from Sirianni. This is what Sirianni did. The first five games of his first um, his first year with the Eagles, he says, look, I'm going to call the offense. They lose five of their first seven. He goes, I'm going to chill. All right, you guys go ahead and call this thing. And what happens, you see a, a, a boost in production when it comes to throwing the football. You see Jalen Hurts have four games with a QBR or a QB rating over 100. Before that, he had one running the football. First seven games, that rushed for about 800. Last ten games, that rushed for 1,800. It just allows the head coach to be the true delegator and monitor that he has to be. Now, there are some coaches who do call plays and good for them. Sometimes it works for them. But a lot of the times, there's so many moving pieces on the sideline. You got 20 coaches in the yep. booth. You have to be able to communicate. You can still have your hands all over the game when it comes to schematics, when it comes to decisions on third down, on fourth down, timeouts, and all that good stuff. But I think this is a good move, man. Jonathan Gannon is a first-time head coach. He has a lot to cover. You go ahead and let your boys work for you. I like it. I forget who it was. I do think it was an NFC West coach. So either Kingsbury, Shanahan, or McVay. Didn't one of them kind of step back from play calling duties because Kingsbury did. Kingsbury. Yeah. And it's probably like you should have done it sooner, but yeah. you just it was hard to let it go as a former mm-hmm. coordinator and as someone who wants a hand in the offense of your team, but eventually you need to step back. Now, Man. not for everyone, right? Reed's no. doing it, McVeigh's still doing it, Shanahan's out there, but like I think some people are too late to let it go. So it's good that Gannon uh, or that Sirianni early was like I'm okay. <laughs> and I tell you, there's only, there's a few things that are the best feelings in the world. Obviously, when you get married, yeah. you have kids. Sure. You play a beautiful round of golf. Hole in one. And then you call a 13-play drive for a tutty to win that thing. Goodness gracious. Ain't nothing like it. Yeah. I would throw in uh, food. Food as well? Like yeah. cooking the right good food or eating no good eating. food? No just yeah. like eating. Just being able to like eat on a cheat day. Nice. Right up there with marriage, probably. <laughs> Third down. I won't skip it this time. Third down. Former Chiefs players are coming to the defense of Eric the Enemy after LaShawn McCoy's comments about the Enemy's involvement in game planning, or lack thereof. What do you make of this situation? Hey, first, Shady McCoy, one of the best I've seen do it. Love to see number 25 out there. Ball all loose. It's like he's dribbling down the court the way he moves around. So his opinion holds a lot of weight. But when I heard his opinion, and I go... Well, one, you're a running back. Do you, how much do you really pay attention to the pass game unless you're involved when it comes to pass pro or leaking out into the flats? And then just his tone sounded like a guy who had a personal vendetta with enemy. That's what I felt. So then when I hear players come out and like Tyreek Hill say, Shady just mad because Eric Bieniemy told him to keep it high and tight when it comes to tucking the football. I feel like a guy like LaShawn McCoy, if you say something that bugs him just a little bit, he's never going to let go of that thing, and he is just going to hammer it every chance that he gets, and that's what he got. He got a chance. And then uh, Matthew, uh, Tyron Matthew pretty much told him he was hating as well. Mm-hmm. So I like that players are coming to his defense. Here's the thing about a enemy type of dude. When it comes to addressing the team, the head coach is always going to address the team. If your head coach is an offensive-minded type of guy, an offensive coordinator type of guy, he's going to address the team when it comes to the pass plays and all that too. When I played for the Seahawks, Holmgren was the pass game guy. Pass game is done, boom, you sit down, and then Solari was the run game guy. There's different dynamics and different roles for each team. That does not mean that Eric Bieniemy did not have an input on the game plan, like he wasn't watching film, like he didn't have suggestions or ideas, but you're playing behind arguably top five greatest coaches of all time and Andy Reid. He's going to take the lead. So I think perception is reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, LaShawn McCoy's perception was that the enemy doesn't do anything because he doesn't address the team when it's time to talk about the offense and the install. You know who I wish um, that Shady McCoy would have been speaking to? Because that was on like first take or 
something. I it was uh, one of Fox Sports' shows. It was a, like an official. Speak for like, yourself. Yeah. Um, I wish he would have been on Brandon Marshall's I Am Athlete podcast. Yeah. Because Brandon Marshall, now I don't know their relationship. Maybe they're tight and he would have, wouldn't have said anything. Maybe they don't like each other and he never would have been on. Who knows? But Brandon Marshall is pretty upfront and blunt on that podcast. Yeah. And I, I would have loved to see his reaction to like, but you're a running back. Yeah. <laughs> As a receiver yeah. himself. Like, well, what do you know about the past game? Past game. game. Uh, all you right. just blocked this yeah. Mike Linebacker shooting the gap, dog. Just to question him. Fourth down. Former quarterback's coach, Dave Canales, realizes there will be some bumps along the way as he becomes a coordinator for the first time ever in his career, this one with Tampa Bay. What are some challenges he's going to face? Taking the film room to the practice field to warm ups to game time to fourth quarter to the playoffs if he gets there. What I've learned, one of my coaches, Mike Levenseller at Washington State, he said something to me as a freshman, and it made complete sense. He goes, the great players and the great coaches make those transitions and those steps. Now, you could be a good coach and a good player, and you miss a step, you miss a transition, and then things are going to fail elsewhere. So that's one thing he's got to deal with. How do you make that transition? And then everyone's looking to you for answers. So now you get in the game, and there's clock management, there's down and distance, mm-hmm. there's um, understanding what your team needs in this moment, there's personnel changes. Now, you want to do that, and you want to do it as efficiently as possible, but you've never done it before. So once you get in it, you're going to stumble a little bit. You're going to call a horrible play on first down. You are not going to set up a trick play that you want to run late. You run it anyway, and it doesn't work out. There are so many things that people can tell him about that he's not really going to understand until he's in it. That does not mean that he can't have success. It just means that you're learning on the job. So he's got some things to learn, and I wish him the best. Man, I'm a big Canales supporter. All right, let's see what's on tap. This is What's On Tap with Bump and Stacy, brought to you by Dick's Driving. So, folks, what's on tap? You have Thursday night football and hockey. The Seattle Sea Dragons are taking on the Battle Hawks. Uh, programming note, normally XFL games are on ESPN. This one's going to be on FX. That starts at 6 p.m. And then later tonight, 7 p.m., the Kraken taking on the Bruins, the top team in the NHL. And a team from Boston competing tonight, 7 p.m. Boo! The NHL doesn't want to see it. Uh, that's what's on tap, brought to you by Dick's Drive-In. Coming up in Hype Train, I have a prediction for MLB's 2023 uh, MVP. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice. Curtis, you got it. Just take us to break. You got it. Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. All right, get your questions in for what I need to know. Coming your way at 45 after, and I could use your questions. 866-979-3776. They can be questions about sports, non-sports. <laughs> advice columns are my favorite. Just like, what do I do advice. in this situation? I'm full of advice. I love those ones. 866-979-3776. Especially advice on topics that we have no business giving advice Oh, absolutely. On. Like, ask me about, like, what do I do about my 13-year-old uh, fighting with the... I'm like, well, let me tell you what someone who doesn't have Put children, here's what on I would do. And yeah. let them go at Strap it. up. Catch <laughs> these hands. All right, so get your questions in. What I need to know, again, 866-979-3776. Right now, it is not time for what I need to know, though. It's time to head to the station for Hype Train. 
Here's how it works. I tell you a trend, a prediction in the world of sports this week. If you agree with it, you are boarding the train. If not, you're not because it's nothing but a hype train. You aren't getting on that thing. You're staying at the station. Get a little train sound if you board the train. So if anyone's driving, don't panic. That's what that is. Let's get to it with the first hype train in here. We just talked with Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims. And I said, Dave... I don't know if this is a stupid question, but is Julio Rodriguez in the conversation for MVP in 2023? And Dave laughed, laughed in my face and said, of course he is. Of course. Julio Rodriguez uh, had a fantastic, a fantastic rookie of the year season in the American League, which is why in today's first hype train, Julio Rodriguez will be AL MVP in 2023. Julio Rodriguez will is be. officially the face of is he the face of Seattle sports right now? I think so. Yeah. Right? Who would you put in front of him? Nobody. He, he's the face. DK's the closest. Right. DK's yeah. close, but baseball Nobody. is hitting a little different. Nobody, Nobody. baby. So um, because of his personality, his performance, 25-25 club, really was the home run derby champion because of technicalities. Yeah. Juan Soto got it, right? It was Juan Soto. His face was on the front page of MLB.com. Yeah. It was like home run still derby. Not, I'm still not over Julio. that home run derby loss. No. Yeah. He had 81 that I'm night. devastated. My heart 81. was racing when he missed the first couple, and I was like, oh, no. He just had to loosen up a little bit. Yeah. So because of all the things that I just mentioned and because I think he's just going to get better this year, I'm on that train. He all right. will be the MVP. The train that Julio will be AL MVP in 2023. This isn't in the conversation. This is he will be MVP. You are making the prediction now. Curtis, are you boarding this train? I got to be with my guys, Bump and Simsy here. Of course. Uh, Julio is your American League MVP this season. He's going to go off. I think he hits more than 30 home runs. Uh, I think he might get more than 30 stolen bases, too. I don't know mm. if he's going to go 40 40, which has only happened four times in baseball history. That seems just like an absurd amount of production uh, but I think Julio has a special season and one that asserts himself as a top five player in the game uh, and yeah this is going to be the year of Julio just as last year was just as every year is going to be I think he is your American League MVP Do in you 2023. The 4-40-40 I do. Jose Canseco, Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, and Alfonso Soriano. Is it funny that whenever Jose Canseco is mentioned in any type of athletic feat, I just laugh, like, for real? Yeah. But he's also, yes, but for obvious reasons, but also because he's crazy on Twitter. His I, beef I with A-Rod knows no bounds. So, I support it. Jose Canseco, I saw a video of him the other day playing in a celebrity softball game in huge <laughs> And the dude is like almost 60 and he's still hitting tanks into the, into the seats. It's a, it's incredible. I hope he's still just like juiced up. Oh, like, oh for sure. Specifically yeah. for this game. For sure. uh, all right. Uh, I'm also boarding this train, but I want to get through a couple other ones here. So let's jump to the next one. I'm going to get back to a Mariners prediction, but first we're going to go Seahawks. We talked about the draft today. Thank you again to Cody Carpentier for joining us. He is of playerprofiler.com, told us all about some of these top picks, and we all have our eyes on a defensive guy at number five and maybe another defensive guy later, but this is the hype train. Tell me for boarding. Two of the Seahawks' first three draft picks will be on offense. Now, this doesn't require that they be at 5 and 20 and 37 or 32 or wherever the other one is. It's just that two of the first three are on offense. The only way I would accept that is if they drafted a center and then Geno was gone. Therefore, they had to go quarterback. quarterback. But I think Geno's going to stay. He's either going to get a deal or they're going to tag him. 
and they're going to have to go heavy defense because of that. So, no, I'm not on that train. They bet not. They bet not. All right. The hype train is that two of the Seahawks' first three draft picks, wherever they land, will be on offense. Bump says no, and not only that, but they better not. They bet I, not. Bet not. I think the Seahawks go defense with their first pick. I think they go offense with their second, but not a quarterback with their second pick. I think they go – I think they go – Wide receiver. They've been mocked wide second. receiver most commonly. Yeah, 20. I've seen Jackson Smith and Jigba's name there. Um, with that third pick, though, pick number 37, I think they go quarterback. So I am boarding this train. Two of their first three are going to be on offense, despite the glaring needs on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think there will be a quarterback taken within those first four picks to see how it's going. I am also boarding this train. I think that uh, the reason I made it is I think John Schneider very much uh, regrets not having taken more quarterbacks and even just to take a chance on a guy. And uh, now that you don't have Russell Wilson's uh, agent leering over your shoulder saying, why are you at this quarterback pro day? What are you doing? Uh, you finally have some freedom to be able to go out and add competition to a room that should always have competition. So you're saying QB regardless. I'm saying that Yes, I think they take a QB in the first okay. three, and I think two of the first three are on offense. Again, like you guys said, despite the glaring holes on defense, it's just it's why, the vibe I'm getting. Because why you are you can leaving never predict, the team? Because you, can never, because you can never predict what happens. No, I'm on the Geno team. No, 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 that, the, the, the heavy defense horn. draft team. Well, I want that to happen. But you don't think it's going to happen. No, because something about... Like Schneider and Carroll and the well, way the they draft always, always surprises me. Like I'm not kidding. <laughs> Last year's draft shocked me in that it was like just make a smart pick everywhere. Mm. And that's yeah. what they did. Yeah, and it was a great draft. Okay. I think they need you so much help on wild? defense, but quarterback throws the wrench in there. Because I think one of the first three will be on offense. And if they take a quarterback, why not take them in your first three picks? Mm. I know. I know. All right, next up here. Uh, do I get back to the Mariners or do I go Kraken? I'm going to go Kraken. Why not? I said I'd get back to Mariners. It was going to be that uh, Cal Raleigh will be in next year's MLB Top 100 list, which would be fun. Uh, we'd all love to see it, but I'm going to go for a... Guess he's got to crack the f- Top 10 catchers list before Oh, my that. God. Oh. Unreal. Wow. wow. <laughs> I know. That should have been my hype drain. Uh, I'm going to go instead with the Kraken, so we're going to skip that. I'm changing things up. Uh, the... It's simple. Kraken have a game tonight against the Bruins. You guys are going to be watching the XFL. You're going to be uh, checking out the Kraken, taking on Boston. Number one team in the NHL. Kraken beat them last time, and they will beat them tonight. That is your hype train. Hype train. The last time these guys tangoed, we <laughs> won Garden. three to zero. A That's shutty? the last time the Bruins were shuttied out. They're going to do it again. Not a shutty, but I think they're going to get it done. That was the hype train, right? Are they going to win tonight? I'm all over it. Yeah. Let's go. That's the hype train. Yeah. The hype train is that the Kraken will beat the Bruins tonight. Bump is boarding. Are uh, you? I'm boarding as well. Uh, but this is going to be a very tall task because it's not just because they're facing the toughest team in the league in the Bruins who are 43 and 8. That's Stupid. a nice Super Bowl score, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but it's going to be tough because the Kraken are wearing their retro ice blue jerseys tonight. They've never won wearing those. They've never won wearing those jerseys. I don't like that. So I don't like that. That's gonna, be, that's gonna be a little mm. tough. Mm. Uh, Philip Grubauer, though, I believe, is getting the start in the net for the Kraken, which I think is a good thing right now. Mm-hmm. He's playing a little better than Martin Jones. Uh, I think Maddie Beneers gets a hat trick, a Maddie Hattie, Ooh, as it were. Maddie a Maddie Hattie. Hattie. 
Yeah. Can uh, we get a Gordie Howe? Are we going to get a, a Maddie Hattie, a Gordie Howe, and a Shuddy again? Let's go. Those Bruins a are Debbie just a bunch, the, the Bruins are a bunch of dusters, am I right? Oh, God. The opposite of a wagon. I'm also boarding this train, and you know why? Because I love seeing Gary Bettman be terrified, and I know he doesn't want the Kraken to win. That's what's keeping him up at night. I'm going to keep this story going. He doesn't want to see it. Gary Bettman's worst nightmare, the Kraken winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, all right, this hour of Bump and Stacey is brought to you by Mazda of Everett. We need more of your questions. For what I need to know, any question you have, text it now. 866-979-3776. Your questions are answers next. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. It's what I need to know. Brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling, and Electric. Get your questions in. Any question you have to the Mac and Jack's text line. 866-979-3776. Here we go. What I need to know. Can the Hawks pick up an additional first rounder by moving out of the number five spot? Yeah, they could. They mm. could. I wouldn't suggest it. No, I don't think you could. You don't think you could? You get a, another for, first rounder. If you had, you would have to add a player. Late. You you have to, and you have to yes. throw some some yeah. some special on top of that. And it would be late. It wouldn't be like you're moving to uh, nine and fifteen. It would be like you trade with someone and you get, um, you know, you get, like late late twenties. You get like twenty five and. Can you do something for me? <laughs> what I need to know, who will be the next the next Mariner superstar after Julio? Why? Can we just enjoy this? Can we enjoy no, Julio? No, we have to start looking ahead. Curtis, who's next? Is it I, Harry? I, I feel like it's got to be one of Kirby or Gilbert, right? I mean, they feel like, yeah. Oh, we're talking about, okay. Not after Julio. I'm thinking like, we're looking at the farm system right now? No, let's look at like who's who's next up as like a face of the Mariners. I'll tell you what. Somebody who is like a face of this team that, I mean, they had a great season last year and hopefully their batting average keeps climbing is Cal Raleigh. Like that dude outside of Julio might be the second most popular guy on this roster. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and, and people listening to me be like, Oh, wow. Uh, no. You know, he was like, he's only been here for a year. It's like, nah, it's true. That dude rose the, the 12 flag this year. Like nobody gets to do that. Also, sometimes here. you can't control who becomes popular. I have no idea why Jesse Winker briefly became a fan favorite. Yeah, you do. Because he got in a fight. Hands. Yeah, and I did praise him for that. Yeah. Throwing bows. What I need to know in theory, what could the Seahawks feasibly trade to acquire Lamar Jackson? <laughs> Gino, number five, number 20, and somebody else. I think you'd need minimum two first, two seconds, and potentially three first, though you'd break it up because no, you could trade out four years. So you would go nah. like, t- you'd trade five, uh, maybe you hang on to tw- 20. So you'd trade like five next year's first, and then maybe like a 2024. No, first. thank you. I'm just saying it would take a lot, a lot. Um, but yeah, I think either something like Russell Wilson to first two seconds, but because Lamar is much younger, you might have to throw in three first round picks. You have to throw in a trainer. They're going to ask for the new puppy <laughs> at VMAC. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Uh, what I need to know. Uh, can you please explain why the leadoff hitter and the batting order is so important when it only happens in the first inning? Curtis. They get the most at bats throughout the course of a game. Easy. Yeah. It's a math problem. Fair question. Yes. Mathing. We're mathing over here. What I need to know, have you ever been caught at work doing something you shouldn't be doing, like taking a nice snooze under your desk? (laughs) Nah, man. This is the first time I've worked for anybody in like 10, 
12 years. I've been self-employed, so I haven't been caught doing anything here yet. Uh, it's hard to like no. be caught snoozing on the job when we're supposed to be talking for four hours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like the closest would be like, were you like on Amazon when you should have been writing something? <laughs> you, know? Now, you know what? I do something every day. Um, we're not supposed to eat here, right? But there's no Bump. way we can eat. Keep it down. Wow. Without. Okay. You know. You're pitting us Just, on blast. Yeah. Hey. Luck goes back there uh, panicked. Like, only, stop talking. Only Bob has been doing this. And thankfully, uh, this none of us do me. it. Thankfully, none of us <laughs> wow. do it. Gosh, I'm going to report you to, hey. to the boss. Sign me up. Yeah. Uh, what I need to know. Last movie, you cried while watching. You cried Wow, I can't yeah. remember a movie, but you know what? What gets me every time? This is how I know I'm getting old too because I watched this show. Nah, it's freaking American Idol. <laughs> if someone has a story oh, and they dude, come out there, they start the singing. Guy. Did you see the, the Hawaiian guy? Yes, got who me. Sang the James Blunt yes, song for, in honor of his dad that had recently passed away. Yeah, yep. that was every time. That was a moment. You can right sing. There. You got a story. Got me. This is currently American Idol. Yes. And yes. you guys both cried during that episode. I did. We'll show you the clip after. No, I'm the callous show. and cold and believe you're, in nothing, so I'm not going to do gonna it. You're going to be a bawling, blubbering mess after. This. The last movie was uh, I'm Still Alice. I watched recently with Julianne Moore. I think that one had killed me. Uh, it's about early onset Alzheimer's, and it's really, really sad mm. for obvious reasons. But I also the other day was on YouTube, and I was just looking up. Um, reunion videos when people's dogs reunite with them know, after like they've soldiers. been gone. Like soldier reunion videos, yeah. but then also just people that are like, I was gone working abroad and then I came home and I started sobbing after watching like 10. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, what's from the 907? What I need to know. What's your best water in the blood moment? Water in the blood moment. So where you just like just performed, just went and just yeah. went after it and did it? Yeah. Um, my biggest one, one of my biggest ones, I would say my freshman year, my first start at Washington State, I took a pump return to the house. That's a good water in the yeah. blood moment. Um, about crying in a movie, someone said the opening to Wakanda Forever got me. No shame. Almost. No shame in that game. Almost got me. Um, let's see. Bump, you left out a jillion dollars for Lamar. Don't forget that. A jillion fulfilling. What I need to know, which draft strategy will get the Hawks to a Super Bowl faster? Drafting two offensive linemen or two skill players on offense in the first two rounds? O-line. O-line all day. Protect. Well, and I feel like one of the things that we've been stressing over the last couple shows is the investment in the trenches with really successful teams versus Seattle. And sometimes this happens by chance, right? Like, Mm -hmm. are you going to let DK and Tyler, two exceptional wide receivers, walk just because you should invest in the offensive line? No, you invest with your good players and you keep talent. It's just that Seattle hasn't been quite as fortunate with drafting those great players on on either defense or offensive line. Except for the two tackles this year. Absolutely phenomenal. Someone said that Hawaiian kid wrecked a lot of people. Did I miss something? And, and he and he moved to Seattle. He's a he's a Seattleite. Everyone is now. I don't even have questions anymore because everyone's <laughs> talking about the American Idol episode and the Hawaiian guy and how yeah, everyone was crying. I'm telling you, God. Okay. Uh, what I need to know: um, predictions for tonight's game. Which one? Uh, let's go both XFL Seattle Sea Dragons versus Battlehawks and then Kraken versus Bruins. Dragons 24 to 10. Kraken 2 to 1. They're also going to say 24 to 10. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm wow. going to take high scoring game in NHL history. Uh, you know what? I, I will take a high scoring Kraken game. 
I think the Bruins are going to get after six. it, but the Kraken are going to win. I'm going to take 5 4. No, I'm going to take four. 6 7. 6 7. 7 6. 7 6. 7 6. Over the Bruins. <laughs> yes. We're going Sea Dragons 58. Wow. <laughs> Battlehawks 4. <laughs> Two safeties. Two safeties. Perfect. Uh, and then the Kraken win it. Six to one. Oh, they wow. Give a, a, a Good gentleman yeah. goal. A yeah, gentlemanly goal. Gentleman's, gentleman's kind of like out. a gentleman's sweep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, you guys, that'll do it for us today. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Reminder also tomorrow, Mariner's spring training game is at noon. We're going to take you right into that game. We're going to air that on 710 AM. You can hear it live. For Michael Bumpus, for Curtis Rogers, I'm Stacey Ross. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming up next.